It is Tuesday the 26th of September and this is The Splash. Welcome into the show, I'm Phil Pryor and a couple of polarising columnists are owning the Fox Sports website today uh, and we're joined by one of them in a moment uh, but I will refer you all to Paul Kent's opinion piece on site first. Uh, I reckon his argument's spot on. Just looking at the, at the success of Queensland Rugby League and how it extends a lot further than just the origin scene when you consider the teams that are playing in grand finals uh, in the NRL at the moment. I would go and uh, urge you all to check out that piece, and ju- which just goes to show uh, what Queensland, from a grassroots uh, and development uh, perspective, is achieving. Uh, quite uh, remarkable. Uh, you know, obviously the Cowboys and the Melbourne Storm, huge Queensland contingent in both those teams, uh, staying uh, with Rugby League for a second. Uh, The teams, they're about to drop. Uh, I'm recording this just before 4pm on a Tuesday. Uh, By the time you're listening, they're probably up on site. So go and check out the grand final uh, teams for this weekend's NRL action. But first, to continue, yesterday's Brownlow medal theme. Uh, We are joined on the splash by none other than Brett Jeeves from down in uh, Tassie. How are you, sir? G'day, handsome Phil. How are you doing? <laughs> very well, thank you. Uh, now, you have got some uh, very uh, interesting content uh, on the website right now. You've got something on cricket, and we will get to that in a moment, but um, you've also taken some time to, to pen something for foxsports.com.au uh, regarding the Brownlow medal. Uh, of course, Dustin Martin took it out last night uh, and, you know, a deserved winner. It is a midfielder's award these days. Um, but the night of nights, it's it's not just about the footy anymore, is it? Um, do you want to elaborate on, on the, the yarn that you've got up on site uh, regarding the Brownlow medal for us? Yeah, so I guess the um, my my role um, across the Fox footy coverage is the uh, is built as the outsider, so looking at, at footy um, from a true fan's perspective, um, which I most <laughs> certainly am when it comes to footy. Um, and watching the Brownlow over the last few years, it just seems like there is just this enormous emphasis on the judgment of fashion um, and the looks of, of women, players, partners, girlfriends. Um, you know, there's the odd mum comes as the um, as a guest of a player or a sister, and um, the level of scrutiny that the girls are, you know, are, are currently facing is is at record highs. I, I can't remember it being as bad as it as it was last night, and um, it's almost done in a, in a in a really creepy way as well. It's you know, there, it's their almost, night, as they say. It is, yeah. Look, it's almost become uh, far more important than the actual vote and and count itself. And back in the day, you know, the count was uh, was largely what it what it was about but of course back then you could smoke inside and you know you could barely see the players and camera through the uh through the haze of smoke that 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 actually filled the room but um yeah i mean so largely my you know my piece and my thoughts were around around that and 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 how hard it must be for the girls that aren't uh professionally paid fashion bloggers or instagrammers um who who are representing brands and and paid to do so you know you can only imagine how hard it would be for you know, say a mum that's worked all day and you know has to has to try and fight the demands of finding shoes and a dress and you know um, dealing with making the kids lunches and getting them off to grandma's house so that 
um, you know, mum and dad can go off and, and hopefully enjoy their night um, mm. that, that now is riddled with this enormous scrutiny on, on what mum's wearing. Um, and to me, it doesn't seem fair or right, particularly around, um, you know, the, the, the huge success of the, um, the first year of the uh, AFLW. Uh, the Women's League was, was massive. Um, you, you would think now uh, here was an opportunity to, to show enormous respect to, uh, to the ladies of the game. Um, and I don't think we've hit the mark there. Uh, and, and last night was a really poor display of that. Yeah, well, uh, I, I would have to say that the, um, you know, the, the Brownlow Medal uh, live blog and, and um, you know, everyone arriving on the red carpet and um, what all the players, partners, uh, you know, look like is, uh, is, a, is a story on, on the website which does particularly well because... Um, you know, that's what appeals to, to the market these days. That's the reality. But I, I think you make, uh, you know, an excellent point. I, is that really what the AFL, an organisation and, and an institution that, you know, is standing for uh, the equality and the social uh, injustices in the world today, it, is, is it really aligned? And, and your, your piece suggests probably not. Yeah, and I mean, I think that, I mean, your point around... Uh, the modern day is, is fair. You know, we are we are in a world now where um, people are paid to to post photos of themselves um, and attract followers, and and that's a that's a pretty new thing. So I mean, there, you know, there, there is certainly a place to um, <clears throat> to celebrate that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not saying we need to do away with the red carpet at all. You know, it is a, a magnificent opportunity for you know the uh, the partners that support the players of the game to, to be rewarded with a night out. Everyone loves putting a frock on, uh, even yourself, Phil. I know that you're a, you're a dress man, and that's okay. Um, but do we need the judgment that comes with it? You know, I've, you know, every year there's uh, you know there's a, a gaggle of fashionistas in a magazine or a uh, or in a in a newspaper or online that you know that judge best and worst dressed, and uh, quite often there's rankings out of ten and to me, it doesn't seem fair for those girls that um, and, and mums and, and ladies that uh, that aren't seeking that fame, that aren't you know that don't have the time to be fashion bloggers and and Instagrammers. You know, they're, you know, I'm not saying that it's not a worthy profession because it most most definitely is, but they're actually seeking that as as a work opportunity. Um, you know, like I said before, poor mum that's you know that's that, that's worked sixty hour week and, and has to juggle the demands of, of being judged openly in a very public forum uh, to me it just doesn't feel right yeah fair fair call Jeevesy let's move on you've also got another piece up um, and and this is the opening line so I'm shooting doubles pull with Michael Bevan uh, just name dropping left right and centre <laughs> it's a story it's a story I tell as many people as I can uh, popular one of family reunions that one but um yeah, look, I mean, the Bevstar come under attack this week. He yeah. uh, threw himself out there in a in a tweet, and and you know, Michael Bevan's not a uh, not a not a really outgoing social person. Um, a very very private sort of guy, and you know, for him to to tweet in a manner that you know he, he sort of suggested that he was he was open to potential batting role with the Australian One Day team, and um, I, I thought it was terrific. It was. Yeah, it was it was a sign of, of Bevo really throwing himself out there, which is something that you know, those that that know him, um, it's not something that he's he's overly comfortable with. And um, yeah, it doesn't seem like his personality. No, no, Going look, completely I mean, from the outside. I've never met him, but yeah, yeah, he's a, you know, he's a pretty pretty reserved sort of guy when it comes to you know even the, the, the you know seeking fame and 
um, you know, throwing himself out there for, for media opportunities. It's something that he could have very easily um, have chased. You know, he's an intelligent man. He's, he's well-spoken. Um, but he just hasn't. Um, you know, and the public response was terrific. You know, every, I think everyone loves Michael Bevan. It's hard not to. His playing career, one-day cricket-wise, was phenomenal. Um, you know, and his, his, his shield record's outstanding. And in, in many regards, he was probably a bit unlucky mm. not to get more of a crack at, a, at test cricket. You know, the perception around his inability to play the short ball um, played a part against that. But he wasn't the only one to, to struggle against Alan <laughs> Donald. Um, and uh, and his ferocity to try and hit people in the head. Mm. Um, so mo- most surprising to me was was a response from Pete Siddle, who's a who's a Fox man as well. That um, you know Pete was kind of of the of the line that well, where's Bevo been for fifteen years? You know, he can't just fling it out there in a tweet. You know, saying he wants to help out when when it's all going really badly. Um, you know, mm. his view was that you know Bevo needs to to um, go through the pathway. You know, he'd rather see Bev sort of work through the pathway and apply for jobs in state cricket and work his way through. And it was just factually incorrect what, what Sid was saying. Um, you know, Bevo's worked through the pathways, had involvement in great cricket. He's applied for a large number of jobs within, within New South Wales um, cricket. He's worked in the IPL, the ICL. Um, his coaching pedigree is really, really strong. And, and, and one of the things that frustrated me about that is that Bev's coaching performances both with individual development and, and team performance has been really strong across um, across all the teams that he's had involvement in um, and I personally was lucky enough to, to work with Bev during his stint uh, in Tassie for a couple of years where he was a, a playing assistant coach and I learned an enormous amount from him but one of the issues for Bev is around the game perception that you know because he um, because his communication style you know, can be perceived as, as quite abrupt um, and, and, and quite brutal and honest. Um, it, it didn't necessarily always get taken on board what Bevo was saying. It was taken more as an attack on someone rather than his offering of assistance. Um, you know, I was fortunate that you know I'm 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 of the old school footy days of you know the you know the hard and brutal approach is is okay sometimes. So I always took Bev up on the opportunity to learn from him and. You know, as I said in the in the piece, I learned a massive amount from him. Um, his, his, his cricket mind is unique. His knowledge of batting and the game is um, is as good as I've seen. And you know, it's it, it's a real shame that 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 perception that swallows up really good good cricket people from the industry um, is actually um, what holding uh, is actually what is holding Bev back um, for further opportunities. So that sort of that. Inner Sanctum, the, uh, the the boys' club at the top of the game, which you've written plenty about, you, you think that's uh, that's uh, standing in the way of, of someone like Michael Bevan uh, being handed an opportunity? And, and question B is, uh, you, you would be all for Michael Bevan stepping into a, 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 a one-day batting specialist-style role with the, uh, with the Australian cricket team, something that... They, they probably need a little bit of help with right now, given uh, you know the 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 um, extensive uh, losing streak that's gone on overseas right now. Yeah, mo- most definitely, and yeah, I mean, I think every every coach, every player, every human has their strengths and weaknesses, and yeah, you know, one one of the knocks on Bev um, is potentially that his communication skills in that abrupt manner, you know, he calls a spade a spade and, and his delivery could potentially do us some work. You know, probably, probably isn't suited to, to the head coaching role where, you know, the communication to, to the group and, and, and to, you know, to the broader group and a lot of players underneath the group 
needs to be on point. It needs to be subtle and needs to be delivered, tailored towards individuals. But you know, if you put Bev in an environment where he is solely talking about batting um, and he's solely working across the technical aspect of players and where they can improve and, and he can help guide uh, tactics and game plan and strategy and batting in conditions and preparation and, and everything that is one-day batting. And learning um, how to absorb pressure. Learning how to absorb pressure, hitting the ball down the table on the black without even looking. Um, you know, the man, the man's a freak. Um, and it would be foolish not to, not to actually take him up on that and actually play to Michael Bevan's strengths as a, as a communicator um, and as a coach. Because what, what he's got and, and his ability and his ability to, to communicate it in a way that people understand uh, is on point. Um, you know, and if you look at the pathway of some of the other guys that, are, you know, that have been in and around the Australian system, you know, they're, they're very green coaches. Brad Haddon, uh, Ryan Harris, Greg Blewett, Fleetingly. Um, they're guys that, you know, that don't actually have the coaching pedigree of Michael Bevan, but the perception is that they're good guys. You know, yeah. they're, you know, they're good cultural glue guys. Um, you know, you're not going to get any angst from them. They're not going to question the system. They're not going to attack the man. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to rock the boat. Essentially, you know, in in what they believe to be the better cause, and that's something that Bev does really well. He understands culture and what makes a team tick, and he will ask hard questions. He will he will put it on people to you know to improve. Um, you know, he, he did it to me a million times. Called me fat. Uh, caught me too slow. Told me my outswinger was non-existent. Um, but what he was able to do was actually help me find and, and beat those things that that I was um, struggling against um, to be a consistent shield performer. And yeah, you know, I'm extremely I'm extremely thankful for the opportunity to have to have worked with Bev, and he certainly helped my cricket. So um, you know, I've no doubt that he he has the ability to impact Australian cricket. Um, certainly, you know, in that specialist batting role. Uh, the politics of Cricket Australia, hey? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it happens across every sport. There's, yeah. know, there's no question. Yeah. And at every level as well. It's, you know, this sort of stuff's rife in great cricket. Uh, it's rife in country footy, soccer, you name it. It's a real thing. Jeevesy, please come on and talk about politics in sport anytime you want. Thanks for joining <laughs> the Splash. Thanks. <laughs> on your hands, Phil. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's not short of words or opinion is cricket writer and AFL outsider Brett Jeeves. So please head to the foxsports.com.au website uh, for his uh, two stories up on site right now. Uh, and that will do us uh, on the splash for this Tuesday. I hope you enjoyed uh, our uh, our in-depth chat uh, with Jeevesy. And until next time, that's a wrap. Oh.